This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did go check out kyler murray and his nfl debut that's my favorite thing about nfl game pass you can go back and watch at any time and if you haven't watched a condensed game yet you have to try it out it's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire nfl game in the fraction of the time it normally takes it's how i'm able to follow all the mvp candidates all the breakout stars and of course your waiver wire pickups all season long to see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. PFF Podcast is brought to you by True Car. Every car comes with its share of stories. That ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up a first date? The luxury package you got after a big promotion? Or the mileage you saved by riding your bike all summer? While you can't put a price tag on your stories, now with TrueCar you can at least find out what your car's worth when it's time to sell or trade it in. Just go to TrueCar, simply enter your license plate number and watch your car's details pop up. Then answer a few questions. Navigation and moonroof? Watch as they bump up your value. High mileage? You already knew it was going to cost you, but now you know how much it dings your wallet so you can plan ahead. Once you're finished, you'll get a true cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True Cash offer not available in all areas. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo back with Sam Monson. How you doing, man? Doing good, Steve. You're Thanks. back. I am. Back from the baby. I only missed one pod? Yeah. Not bad. Yeah, only one pod. We had to sub in. Um, I, we're going to have to talk about it, Steve. You got a haircut for the first time in Cincinnati. I did. Got trimmed. Because you've had to, for people that don't know, you've had to like time your haircuts for when you go back to Boston because you only trust one like little old lady in Boston to cut your hair. And I've always ridiculed she's you for that. She's not an old lady. She's, she's about my age. Okay. Well, Steph. you're kind of old at this point. Yeah. I've always you know, mocked you for that, thinking that that's crazy, right? How hard can it be to cut your hair? And then you trusted somebody else today or yesterday, and now I see why you trust the one lady in Boston. That's why Steph's the best. 
Yeah. That's so, why, um, look. Your hair me- at the moment looks like one but, of the Beatles from the 1960s went and got a perm, a jerry curl. Come on. Look, it's not as bad as you're saying, and especially what I'm wearing the headset. I think, I think it looks good. Oh, yeah. If you wear a headset 24-7, it looks fine. If you you're take the headset off. You're seeing me with more length, and, and that's essentially what happened. Um, the technique in the cut was fine. The execution was a little off, just took a little bit too much off. We lost mm. a little bit too much length. Yeah. Um, Steph doesn't make that mistake no. back in, back no, in no, Boston. No. Yeah. Um, so this is why, Sam, it's, it's look, it's, so my, I don't it's know, my contract here. I I'm just, look, I know, look, I, I have to make my pitch because I know Neil Hornsby listens to us on the podcast right, here. Yeah. And but he thinks it looks good. That's the problem. That's going to be a tough sell right. to him. But I do think... You need to show Chris. Chris would never stand for this. Like Chris oh, would take one I, look at that hair and go, oh, God, we need to get you. So We need to fly that woman out here. So if I escalate that to Chris, right. like this should be I'll, I'll text him. company. I'll text him the photo you sent me yesterday, and we'll say, Chris, this is what happens when Steve doesn't get his Boston lady cut See, now, hair. So that's worth it. So that's worthwhile. Yeah. We're going to get Steph flown out here. I think PFF should pay for it because uh, my hair is important to the to the company. So we're going to get her for for all subsequent haircuts. But uh, and it's a contract year for me, Sam. My contract's right. up right, at yeah. the end of March, and I think this is really important. I'm just saying I would like to thank you because I spent a lot of yesterday laughing at at, <laughs> at your hair. And this is coming from a man that doesn't have any hair anymore. Like that's how funny this All is. All told, though, it's still not as bad as you think it is. Um, I even, promise you. Even it my is. wife said it's growing on her a little bit. She and she hates it when it gets too short. <laughs> um, it's going to grow back quickly. The only it just we just lost a little right. bit. Right. You were you were communicating to me the way a parent you know communicates to a child when they have had a terrible haircut. It's like, don't worry, little Jimmy, it'll grow back. It's it's not too bad. It, it you know a couple of months. It'll be back to the where it was, and um, it won't be a problem. I talked my way through it. Right. That's, that's kind of how you were texting me yesterday. It'll grow back. We'll be all right. So I just had a baby, and we just talked about my haircut for five minutes. Right. Thanks. Is it okay? Yeah, whatever. Whatever you want to focus on. I mean, I, I'm just saying, I didn't get a picture of a baby yesterday. I got a picture of a hysterical haircut. I'll just send you baby pictures right. every day then. All right. Baby's doing well, by the way. So, Don't NFL worry. podcast. Yeah. Let's, let's talk some NFL, hmm. if anybody's still listening. Um, so Renner's out on I assignment. Hope, I just hope they're watching on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're covered by the headset if you're on YouTube. Uh, Mike Renner's out, uh, not even on assignment. He's just out. No, he's, he's just, just out. Just, yeah. He's just out. He's not on the Bachelorette or anything. There's no, no secret. He's just not here. He's just not here. Right. Um, so you're in for what's normally our draft discussion, but it's like we're kind of loose, right? You and Eric had some draft discussions, some running back discussions. Yeah, we talked Kyler Murray and midget yeah. quarterbacks, small quarterbacks. Come on, Midge is not allowed. Come on, you're already getting into some hot water on Twitter with some of your takes, your tea <laughs> I have takes, set people over tea, and your uh, Lonzo possible. takes. You just better you not better, Lonzo, Lavar, Lavar. I don't sorry. have a problem with Lonzo. I don't follow either of them, so I don't care. Um, the point is, we're talking off-season NFL football. So today, I want to hit on the PFF 101, okay? Because we haven't discussed it yet. No, it's out there. Uh, some free agency, Joe Flacco to the Broncos. I think that's important. Some general draft storylines. And then a philosophical draft discussion. I think we've got a bunch of these that a lot of people talk about. We'll give our take on um, things like first contract quarterbacks and that you know QB purgatory, as people talk about. I think there's some good stuff to discuss there. So let's start with the PFF 101. It came out two weeks ago. All of our contents came out two weeks ago. The videos came out last week. Always a fun thing for us to do. We look back at the 2018 season. We rank the top 101 players regardless of position. We, we factor in a little bit of competition. You know, playoffs are a factor. 
role and how much a guy a guy played. But I think this is uh, you know I think this is the definitive list of the best players in 2018 when we put it together. I think so. Look at you. You're like back in the chair just just this morning, and you got this whole thing mapped out. I do scheduled. It's this yeah. impressive. Yeah, I was um, I was watching film. I was in the closet of my house with like a little walk-in closet. This is a weird start to a story. Well, Go just, ahead. I'm just saying, this is how I keep up on th- with things. Like four in the morning, trying to get the baby to sleep, but away from my wife, so she wasn't hearing him. She really needed to sleep. Right. So I'm just holding him, like watching film, keeping up with the NFL news and stuff like that, sitting in our closet. So that's how I've kept. That makes up. more sense when it's a walk-in closet. It's a walk. Yeah, I wasn't just like been sitting in a small closet. I wasn't locked in a the room. There's, there's, it's a spacious yeah, closet. Yeah, yeah. It's actually like a room that we turned into a closet. Yeah. But that's what. I, that's how I've kept up with this stuff. That's how I'm ready. Okay. Let's discuss the one-on-one, Sam. Sure. Who's the best player in the NFL? Aaron Donald. That yeah, that's uh, pretty obvious. Yeah. Uh, what else? What? Any surprises on this list? Well, it's interesting. So we've got this uh, document that we've been kind of tallying the history of the one-on-one. Yeah. So two players now have made it nine times. Both quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Name them. Well, I already know. Okay. Well, name them anyway. It's Tom Brady Pretend and you don't Drew Brees, know right? Them. Yeah. Tom yeah. Brady and Drew Brees are the only two nine-time uh, appearances on the 101. Which Did I think we is, start this in 2010? I, I think this is... I think nine times is all of them. Yeah. Complete. Yeah. It's as long as it's been running. Uh, one player's been on eight times, and that's Ndamukong Sue. Oh, wow. Yeah, because yeah. he was drafted in I think this actually would have been the first year that he didn't make it, right? Uh, I don't think he made it. No. Right. So this is his, this is his first non-appearance on the one-on-one, Sue. Um, the the team uh, thing, the team tally is interesting as well. The Seattle Seahawks, the New England Patriots, are the two teams that are most represented in the PFF one-on-one history. In history. History. Really. So those two have the most. The Washington Redskins are the least represented team in PFF history. And it's by a factor of like four and a half times. Wow. Almost five times to the, to the Seahawks. That's how little success the Redskins have had in terms of, you know, player quality. They should over sign the last Sue. He years. could be their Hainsworth. Right. This would be a great time for Sue to become their Hainsworth as a free agent this offseason. But it's a pretty interesting list this year because obviously Donald is number one. Yep. Nuke Hopkins, number two. Yeah, I think we, we went into this saying, again, if, if we were doing this based off of value, it would be a bunch of quarterbacks first. Um, but we're trying to look at how well a guy did relative to his peers at his position and all that stuff. And when you look at Hopkins' season, the highest receiving grade I think that we've given, right, since yeah. 2006, 115 catchable targets without a drop. Again, and there was a lot of good receiver play this year too, but his consistency from start to finish was just unmatched. Yeah, he was absolutely phenomenal this year. Again, the idea that this Houston Texans offense was just Watson to Hopkins all year long right. and somehow that kept working was pretty incredible. That makes your Houston Texans, again, scary going forward if they can add some talent around that offense. We had Mahomes and Breeze at three and four. Mm-hmm. Um, they were always tough. We had a higher grade on Breeze, but we had Mahomes with more value yeah. added this year. And I think that's a telling story. Mahomes had a little bit more volume. And I think this played out the way the season played out. You have Mahomes in all of these games that he lost where his team's given up 29 points, 38 points, 54 points, right? Even though some of that was on the offense. And, and Breeze had some games where he just um, wasn't very good. So Mahomes consistency and the ability to just continue to put points on the board for the Chiefs, even in losing efforts, um, just kind of gave him the nod from a value standpoint, even though on a throw-for-throw standpoint, Drew Brees just missed fewer throws and was a little bit more efficient in that respect. But they ended up 3-4 and four on the list. They were close. Yeah, Fletcher Cox, number five. Fletcher Cox, 
really having one of the most sort of underrated seasons in NFL history because yeah. if Aaron Donald is not in the league, this is an all-time great season that gets incredible attention, but it's just second to Aaron Donald almost across the board. It's kind of like, you remember when Dante Culpepper had a career year in 04, and really it was one of the best quarterback seasons of all time at that point, but Manning was better. Yeah, Peyton so had nobody paid any attention best. to it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, that's, that's Fletcher Cox right now. Um, unbelievable his ability just we say this all the time but edge rushers always get the most pressures and Fletcher Cox had like 20 more than the the best edge rusher but still came in second yeah to Aaron Donald so rightfully in the top 10 there Michael Thomas Tom Brady Bobby Wagner with an incredible season for the Seattle Seahawks missed only one tackle now missed only four tackles in two years yeah, Bobby Wagner, I think, has probably become the best linebacker in the game now. It was sort of between him and Luke Keekley for a while. I would say Wagner has probably taken a little step ahead of Keekley at this point. Yeah. He has been pretty incredible the past couple of seasons, especially as like the defense around him has been dismantled. Right, like, Sherman's gone. Earl Thomas has been gone. Cam Chancellor. like Everything that was making up that incredible defense top to bottom – has disappeared, and now it's just Wagner and all the new guys have come in. And he's got the he was number one as a, in coverage and number two against the run. You don't get much better than that as far as all around linebacker play. Um, the other big one, Stephon Gilmore yep. of the Patriots, comes in at nine. We keep talking about coverage value. The Patriots play more man coverage than anyone else, and when you look at how efficient he was breaking up twenty four passes, uh, twenty four uh, pass breakups plus interceptions this past year, making a ton of plays on the ball. I mean, Gilmore just has turned out to be just an incredible free agent signing for the Patriots, obviously a big part of their Super Bowl win. Yeah, he was the best cornerback in the NFL this season. He's become way better in New England than he ever was in Buffalo. He was one of those guys in Buffalo. I told you that he would be better. Where I think think everybody accepted that he had this potential, but everybody acted like he was already playing at that level. Well, he had some really good years there. He also played in Buffalo in various schemes where he'd play a little bit more off coverage he would play man in rex ryan's scheme i think it was the yeah in 2016 he had rex um in 15 and 16 but i mean he he was a little inconsistent there and then the patriots did a really good job putting him in position to succeed yeah they did but uh, my point is that everybody was everybody acted like he'd already reached this point in buffalo i I don't think he ever got there but now he has i think the 11 through 20 group is is an interesting one because you've got some big names there. First off, Khalil Mack came in at 10 because yes. he was a little banged up, and that hurt his production a little bit. He's an annual top 10 player. Vaughn Miller's an annual top 10 player, but he was down in the 20s. J.J. Watt snuck back up into this list at 19. Luke Keekley up at 18. So you've got guys who we've seen in the top 10 before, like Keekley, Watt, and Vaughn, who just took slight step backs or battled injury or for Watts, in Watts' case, came back from injury. Um, but they're still you know, top 20, 25 players in the NFL, even if they're not at their top 10 type of peak. Yeah, and I think it says a lot about where a lot of these breakout players got to, that they put themselves in the conversation with the J.J. Watts, with the Von Millers, with the Khalil Max at that kind of level. You know, George Kittle came yep. out of nowhere and became the best tight end in the league this season. You know, he was a phenomenal receiving threat. He's one of the only tight ends in the game that was blocking well as well, which kind of pushes him up above a guy like Travis Kelsey. Those two are sort of 1 and 1A as receivers. Obviously, Kelsey had Mahomes throwing him the ball. Kittle had Jimmy G for a little bit. Then uh, C.J. Beathard, Nick Mullins, you know, was working through this uh, who's who of quarterbacks that shouldn't be throwing him the ball um, and was phenomenal. 
Chris Jones became one of the best defensive interior players in the NFL. Eddie Jackson, the Bears, won our best coverage player award, had a phenomenal season. Grady Jarrett kind of had his best I had a career year as well going into free agency as well. I want to discuss him. So I want to discuss real quick. Chris Jones, Grady Jarrett. So Jones was 15. Grady Jarrett was 17. Trey Flowers at 21. Um, the story here, um, we've we got to pat ourselves back on the back when we need to, uh, you know, when it comes up, right? The 2015 draft, we said Grady Jarrett and Trey Flowers are both first-round picks. They should be first-rounders. They, they went in the uh, – Grady Jarrett went in the fifth. Trey Flowers goes in the fourth. Absolutely both guys played like first-rounders. This has been their peak. They're both hitting free agency right now. They're the top two players on this list who are hitting free agency. So Grady Jarrett of the Falcons, Trey Flowers of the Patriots, potentially hitting free agency, dealing with franchise tag discussion and all that fun stuff. But our D-line grades from college to the NFL are looking really, really good. And those guys started the trend. Chris Jones continued the trend. Uh, People were on Chris Jones, but he ended up going in the second round for various reasons. And I think we started to do a good job of taking out the, the silly narratives of, well, he takes plays off and he, you know, he, he's, he's got this or he's got that work at high pad level. I heard all those things about Chris Jones and we're like, look, we quantify every play. If he has an elite grade with us quantifying every play, who cares if he takes a couple plays off? And maybe you're not even seeing the right thing when you say he takes a, a, a few plays off. I just hate that scout speak. Chris Jones was dominant this year. He's shown it since he's been in the league. And again, I just want to say to people that are evaluating the NFL draft, like you guys should be, I'm not saying you just use PFF grades as gospel and you just automatically say, well, PFF likes them, therefore I'll like them. But if you're an evaluator of the, P- of the draft, I know we've got some hardcore draft people that listen to us, like you should be using PFF stu- stuff as a piece of your evaluations going forward. Yeah. In the same draft, we told you that Trey Flowers and Grady Jarrett were first-round picks and that Bud Dupree was very not. Yes. And those have all come to pass. The, there's a lot of people out there at the moment actually sort of offering advice to scouts, to people you know, analyzing the draft and all this kind of thing. Here's what you should be doing. Here's what I like to do. Here's the greatest thing about well, what Right. So the biggest thing I think the PFF does is um, it's we watch every single play, right? So yes. there isn't this idea of, I mean, you gotta you gotta look at what a guy does, right? Forget the bad plays, but look at how what look at the what he can do. So you're you're talking about guys that are in the NFL draft community giving advice to future scouts, right. saying, saying don't forget these so, rules yeah. of scouting, right? It, don't don't focus on what he can't do. Focus on what he can do. And like well, the the point we've always made is okay, what he can do is nice. But focus on how often he's Absolutely. doing what he can do because Absolutely. that's relevant. If you don't pay attention to how often he does what he can do, you spend your life chasing potential that never gets realized because they're actually not that good a player. So, yes, Chris Jones may have taken plays off in college, right? But how many? And when you look at how often he did it, it wasn't a big amount of his game. Sure, he took some plays off, and that would have led to an even higher grade but even with those plays taken off, he was still one of the best defensive linemen in the entire nation and a dominant player. Therefore, how much should you give a crap about that? That that to me, that's the biggest thing. We need to put we need to put like a list of PFF draft axioms, and you know, I say axioms as you know, just the stuff that we believe in. One of the things I believe firmly in is definitely focusing on the the bigger sample size and not overrating your own experiences. 
So right. the worst part about scouts giving advice is when they're like, man, I missed on this guy, therefore I'll never make that mistake again. And we, we work with these, you know, George and Eric, our data scientists over here, and it feels like every discussion we have with them is this reminder that about sample sizes. Sample size. How everything. small is your evaluation sample size? Even when you say, like you missed on Antonio Brown, right, in your own right. little world, if you take the next 4.640 receiver out of Central Michigan who's got pretty good route running and you're like, man, I missed it on Ten- Antonio Brown. I'm never going to do that again. And even then, I, like, I don't remember how many of his games I saw, but it wasn't right. all of them, right? right? It's not like I went through every one of his games and went, nope, can't and you do it. Like- I wrote him off after however many two, three games I saw. Um, didn't think it could translate. But uh, you know, Mike Renner makes this point that when people write sort of official scouting reports, you know, the thing, the one of the very top lines is their exposure to a player. Yeah, like, which this is based off five games. Right, right. These are the five games I watched. This is what we're working off here, which is fine. But I mean, that's inherently a terrible way of doing it, right? Because okay, you did this based off five games, you missed out another five games, six, seven games. Right? There's a ton of additional games you're not paying attention to, and players can vary dramatically from game to game so one of the pieces of advice i saw thrown out was don't just make sure you get games from the start of the season and the end of the season because players get better over the course of the year well yeah i mean the (laughs) the best piece of advice would be to watch all the games because you don't know which ones are good which ones are bad like you need to see all of them to uh, to get the full picture so this is i love it draft discussion the 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 philosophy of stuff and uh, look NFL scouting, I don't think, has been atrocious. And I, I get why they don't, terrible. because the time thing. So right? this is what I was going to say. So there's a difference between saying, here's the optimal way to, way to do things versus here's the easiest way to do things from a time standpoint. Like, so when I, was playing, when I was playing minor league baseball, right, when you're in spring training, you'd pitch an inning, and then you'd go do your running right after. When you get into the season, you'd pitch one day, and then you'd do your running the day, the day after. So in spring training, pitch, run immediately. During the season, pitch, run the day after. And I was always the idiot asking questions like, what, isn't there like a best way to do this? If you think that running is best for my recovery, is it better if I do it right after I pitch or is it better the day after? And we only did it that way because of convenience. Because yeah. in spring training, we worked out during the day and you have nothing else to do if you're a pitcher after you pitch, so you just go run. And then during the season, you play night games and you have nothing to do the next day because you're not going to pitch again, so you run. So it's like this is my thought on this whole draft philosophy thing. They watch four to six games because that's the optimal way to do it or just because it's the most convenient because right. I got to get through 300, 500, 1,000 prospects, whatever yeah. it is. Um, so that's where, again, I just feel like people need to, pay att- need to pay attention to our take on things. Yes. Because we're doing things differently, we're not trying to replace anything, um, though we could. <laughs> we're not trying to replace anything. But start paying right. attention to what we're doing because we're doing things differently and in a more efficient this, manner. This is why the idea that, well, if you guys are so great, why are you not running an NFL scouting department, right? We will be. A, according to Steve, we will be. That's fine. Right. B, it's not like NFL scouting departments can't operate this way because it's too, it's too hard. It's too much money. It's too expensive to do it, right? They can't dedicate the amount of people it takes for us to get through every single player on every single game in the entire college season and all the seasons before that because it would just be sinking way too much money into their scouting department. Right. They don't do it. So instead, 
they outsource it. They pay us who can do it cheaper, more efficiently, because we already have the setup done for NFL. We're making money off the side and consumer. You know, all this. There's ways that we supplement that income that NFL teams don't have. So instead, they outsource it to us. We can do all of those games, right? Yeah. So the idea of, well, why doesn't everybody do it this way? Because they can't, well, right? One guy dealing with the Midwest doesn't have time to go right. through every single game of every single player and get anywhere near the end of his list of players he needs to work through. They just can't do it, right? And a lot of what's so going on through just the background. Five. Well, a lot of the, what they're trying to do is gathering background right. information and character But when they do the so. tape, they just they can't get through that right. volume. So they will do it by going through five and giving you the exposure and doing it that way. The reason why our take is important and is different and potentially more valid in some cases is because we have the complete picture that these guys don't have. Multiple years, too. Right. Like four years of data. I, w- I was just up there talking to Neil, and we were just, you know, we haven't run the numbers on this yet, but we were just debating. Do you ca- we, the same discussion we always have. Do you care more about a guy's last season in college, right. second to last year in college? Um, but we have four years of college for some of these guys, and you could see the ebbs and flows. Tredavious White was great as a sophomore, not so good as a junior, great as a senior. Does senior year matter more than junior year? Does the whole thing matter? Like, there's still a lot to look at there, and we have the full picture and data set. So to just to, just to land that plane, Sam, put a bow on it, right? Mm-hmm. How's that? Nice. Yeah. Pretty good. Extra points. Yeah. Um, first off, NFL teams are using our stuff, putting our grades straight up against their scout stuff as a, as a piece, and I think that's a great way to do it. Um, I think at some point we can help prove that our stuff should be worth more in that discussion, and I think that's where we will start doing more um, with NFL teams as they project. They do have direct discussion with us, asking about our opinions on certain things, even just looking at our draft guide. Um, and then there was one other piece I was going to Oh, the Browns. The Browns actually hired people to do what we do, right? They had this whole underground community of people trying to chart games and trying to duplicate, you know, that whole concept. You know, so certain teams have tried, um, you know, adding more data points yeah. that, that we, that, you know, to our, um, to what we're doing here. So it started with PFF 101, but I love this is it's draft time. Of year, so we get into some philosophical discussion. Uh, anything else on the PFF 101? No, I mean obviously up? you can find it at ProFootballFocus.com. It's one of our most all-encompassing things we do every year. Give you the list of the 101 best players from the season before. So it's always a fun thing to go dive into and check out. Great, yeah. And then this summer we'll have a PFF 50, I believe, looking yeah. forward, taking all the data, looking forward, and um, we'll be able to check that out this summer. So. Um, other storylines this week. Let's get into some just general offseason because there's no, there's no such thing as the offseason in the NFL. Joe Flacco traded from the Baltimore Ravens to the Denver Broncos. You did a video on this yesterday while I was yeah, out. Is that right? me and George. The combination that apparently is too toxic for the podcast, but we did it on video. Yeah, you're out. Who said that? Who said you guys were too toxic? I don't know. People said it. I heard it. I People have said heard. it. I agree. I think over like, in a small sample size, no, but like over time, you and George... I don't know, maybe that's maybe that's the optimum combination. Maybe that's what we need. Maybe we'll try it. Maybe we'll give you and George a run. You guys need an extended run to see. Yeah. If the numbers tank. Right. You got to play it out. Um, so, what are your thoughts on this lateral move for the Broncos from Case Keenum <laughs> to Joe Flacco? Uh, so, I think what summed it up best was when we pulled up the PFF WAR numbers, wins above replacement. If you swap Case Keenum out for Joe Flacco last year, you win maybe one more game. Maybe. Yeah. That's how close they are in war. 23rd and 25th, I think, in terms of Based quarterbacks. Multiple years. Yeah, just right? quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, I, like, I, 
the best possible silver lining for Denver Broncos fans is if this changes their draft strategy, not one iota. And all it did is change the potential bridge quarterback to the guy you're going to draft in the first round. You just used the term. Last year when we did our free agent analysis, it was like, all right, Case Keenum, bridge quarterback. Signs a two-year deal. You're not really locked into him. If you're the Broncos, why do you go from one bridge to another bridge? Flacco is a bridge at this point. Yes. I don't even know how this comes up on your radar as a potential option. You're like, okay, the Case Keenum thing didn't really go so well. But don't worry, we have the number 10 overall pick in the draft. And there's some quarterbacks available. Which one are we zeroing in on? How, who comes into the room and goes, hey, guys, Joe Flacco might be available for a fourth-round pick. What do you say we, we throw one of those over to Baltimore? Like, so, how does that even come up? Look, in isolation, if you weren't attached to Keenum, Joe Flacco for a fourth-rounder, I don't hate. If you literally had no other quarterback on the roster and you were like, well, we're going to need somebody before this first-rounder starts – Hey, Joe Flacco might be available. I get that, right? That but you already I, have Keenum, right. who you're kind of stuck with. Like, I, I, I literally don't understand how that came up as an option. Like, who brought that to the table, and why were they not immediately slapped in the face for suggesting it? <laughs> yeah, so everybody's like, oh, LOL, Flacco, right? I mean, this is stupid. Bovada actually made, lengthened Denver's odds for the Super Bowl when Joe Flacco was traded. They yeah, went because from, they, they went probably, from 100 to 1 to 125 to 1 when they made this trade. That's, I don't think I've ever seen that before. That's pretty amazing. Um, I saw you arguing with people about Flacco and his arm strength and all that stuff. I mean, this is just this is like a draft discussion, but just at the NFL level. Like this Flacco doesn't automatically First off, Joe Flacco's arm strength hasn't been relevant in, in the NFL. 2008, Joe Flacco had a strong arm and he was a big mobile quarterback for the size. He has neither. And he was right impressively now. physical, right? Somewhere he was between good for a while. Somewhere way. between 2008 and now, this is 2019, by the way. 08 is not like short time ago. I know, right? So somewhere between 08 and now, all of those things abandoned Joe Flacco. Now, at best, I mean, I had a good arm in 2008. Right. At best, Joe Flacco has an average arm, and that's the end of it. Je- uh, Evan Silva termed him a pocket sloth, I which I that. think is possibly my favorite that was, idea that anybody's that was ever solid. come up with. That is fantastic. So we're now talking about a pocket sloth who does not have a strong arm, but is tall. It's like average to above average, I'd say right now. But I it's would not, say it's average at best. Yeah, it's not, even, it's not even relevant. When he first came out, he was whipping the ball deep right. out and stuff he like that. Right. He legitimately had a strong arm. He, he was, does not anymore. He was Carson Wentz light. He wasn't nearly as athletic as Carson Wentz, yeah. but he had some of that like deep out zip. And you could create chunk plays with his arm. And he was good for a few years. And yes. he had the Super Bowl run and all that stuff. Like, credit where credit is due with Joe Flacco. But since the 2014 season was the last season that he was good. Yeah. That's a long time ago as well. Uh-huh. Um, recent years, he has not been good. It's absolutely a lateral move from Case Keenum to Joe Flacco. Even if he improves them by one win, I mean, what does that do? Nothing. But it- the biggest thing for the Broncos... Still try to draft a quarterback, right? Absolutely. Like you're not, you have not solved your quarterback issues. The... Like Denver Broncos fans have to be silently praying that this change that this yeah. did not change the draft strategy at all because they need a quarterback. So I think there's other quarterback dominoes to fall though, right? You have Nick Foles who's well, going to have to get market. rid of Case Keenum. I think I just think last year and the year before there was what ten to twelve QB needy teams or yeah. teams that are like looking to the future and they just needed somebody. And now in recent years we've just seen Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Mitch Trubisky. Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson all get drafted, and their teams think that they're the guy. They're all in the first two years of the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. So 
who needs a quarterback? Right. Miami, Jacksonville, Jag- uh, the Giants, and then you've got the – I always put the Chargers, maybe the Steelers, and the Patriots, and the Saints – into this like we have an old quarterback like let's look to the future but that's obviously not case keenum that could be maybe a teddy bridgewater you know if you say new england or new orleans and you try to bring teddy bridgewater back to new orleans or to new england to kind of be the next guy but there's not a lot of qb needy teams out there sam did i miss anybody uh you're right there aren't most of the qb needy teams have been taken up but the pro like the biggest issue with this is not that the fact that they made a lateral move it's that they actually like worsened their cap situation by doing it. It's not like it's just a free right. addition for nothing, and now you have a competition between two guys that have no business starting. It's that you now have two guys who combined are getting paid a ton of money, and okay, like Flacco's contract is all non-guaranteed. Uh, the Ravens are taking all the dead cap hit by shipping them over. Yep. You ship the fourth-round pick to do it, so it's not great even if you have to cut him. But the problem is... Like, Case Keenum still has guaranteed money in his deal. Case Keenum is still getting paid a reasonable amount of money. Like, he's not getting paid QB1, like, top-end money. His contract was always kind of a hedge. He was a perfect bridge quarterback. Right. He was, his contract was always kind of a hedge. But now when you combine the two of them, like, those, you can't carry both of those contracts and the first round. Like, one of them needs to go. And it's going to cost you money or a draft pick to get rid of one of them. So... I, unless you can find a trade partner for Case Keenum, which seems pretty unlikely given that you just hung the sign saying he's no longer the guy here. I, it, I, that's the biggest problem with this deal is that you've made it massively problematic to carry both of them on the roster. Yeah. Yeah. And no little... easy way of getting rid of one of them. Right. Where do you think the rest of the dominoes fall then? Do you think there's a lot of hype around Foles going to Jacksonville? Um. There's just a lot of buzz in general that Jacksonville is going to get a Foles, you know, Foles or Bridgewater, right? Like a guy that's somewhat right. more of a veteran rather than a And that's a the other pick. issue with the Case Keenum thing, right? Would you trade for Case Keenum or would you pick up Teddy Bridgewater? Yeah, there's still a lot of doubt with Bridgewater. Oh, we, absolutely. We haven't seen a whole lot but since it's not the big like injury. Same with Keenum, right? We've oh, seen one good year and I think then we, he's we, Keenum. I think we nailed the Keenum analysis last year, which was there was one career year with the best receivers in the NFL in Minnesota. He can't duplicate it in Denver. I think before the season we said he's the number 25 best quarterback in the NFL at best, and that's where he landed. That's also Blake Bortles' range as far as if you're just ranking quarterbacks in the NFL. You know, yeah. that's uh, that would be a lateral move for Jacksonville from Blake Bortles, who they want to move on from. So I wouldn't go that route. No, Teddy Bridgewater, there's a question mark. Maybe Ted, Teddy can be a top 15 quarterback, but you don't know. I think all these teams you got to you got to. So you've got drafting. those guys plus you have the draft coming, and the draft has bigger question marks right? I think than we've the seen. The Giants in years. probably need a quarterback, but they are positioned to grab one in the draft. Like you know, the Jags probably they're right behind the Giants. Right, grab one in the draft. So again, you've got potential landing spots where teams are probably looking more to the draft than they are these potential free agent options. I think the Jag. There's this feeling around the Jags though. That they still have all these defensive pieces, <laughs> right? This, yeah. this is the feeling, right? They're two years removed from the AFC Championship. Yeah, let's get the let's get Foles, right? And honestly, full a full year of Foles is probably Joe Flacco. Is a Flacco, as we said a few weeks ago. All right, let me just jump into this other philosophical draft discussion that we've that we posed before. If your teams, if you're a team like the Detroit Lions, mm-hmm. the Raiders, the Bucks, the Bengals. 
You've got Stafford. You have Carr. You have Jameis. You have Andy Dalton. Do you trade those guys and always and try to look for that first contract quarterback? Because the discussion around the NFL is like Jared Goff, first year quarterback, they, uh, first year contract, they go to the Super Bowl. Eagles did the same thing with Wentz, even though he wasn't the guy that brought him there. The idea of having a first contract quarterback gives you so much cap flexibility that that's the way to win in the NFL. Meaning you only have this like four year window. And if you have this massive Matthew Stafford or Derek Carr type of contract, you know, you're screwed. You just can't build the rest of the team around those guys. They're mid tier quarterbacks. And I think, look, I'm not insulting anybody by saying Matthew Stafford, Derek Carr, Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, they're all mid tier quarterbacks at this point. That's what they are. Meaning in the right season, in the right situation, they could be elevated. And in the wrong situation, they could be, you know, the number 25 quarterback in the NFL. Sometimes they could be top 10. But they're not Brady, Breeze, Rodgers. They're not the top guys, right? So what do you do in this situation, Sam? What, what's your take? Do you, ever, do, you, do you ever just move on? Do you ever try to move on from a Matthew Stafford or a Derek Carr, hypothetically? Yeah, but you don't do that by trading them before you have an alternative. Like, that's the problem. The, the idea of it's absolutely true to say that having a mid-tier quarterback but having to pay him like a top-tier guy, which is what happens with these guys, gives you real problems because it, it then becomes really hard to put the quality of team around them that you need to put around them in order for those guys to play like top-tier quarterbacks and ultimately win Super Bowls. So, yes, it's a real issue, and therefore you should always be looking to move on from those guys at the soonest possible opportunity. But you can't forget how good those guys are in the first place and how much worse it can be if you don't have one. This was always the Tyrod Taylor situation in Buffalo, right? Yes, I understand you want to move on from Tyrod Taylor, but understand how much worse it can get. Right. That's why you don't do that. You could have Nathan Peterman, Matt Barkley out there. Absolutely start looking to move on from them. And the best possible scenario is to have a good quarterback on a first, on a rookie contract. How hard do you look for one, though? So... But you can't. But the problem is, it's only valuable when you have a good quarterback on a rookie contract. Having a disaster on a rookie contract does you no good whatsoever. Agreed. So again, you need to look for the replacement, but you can't trade those guys until you have it. How hard do you look for these guys? So in recent years, if the Lions—I can't remember the exact draft order—if the Lions had a shot at Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes, and they were really confident, nobody knew exactly how good Patrick Mahomes was going to be or maybe how good Deshaun Watson was going to be. It's all projection. Do you scout the quarterbacks like you need one every single year? Yes. And when you run into a Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes that you believe in, whoever it is, you're sitting there with Matthew Stafford and you just, that's it, scooping them up. Yes. Or you're the Raiders this year. Maybe the Raiders, they get Kyler Murray. Absolutely. If you're in a position, honestly, I'm not sure there are many teams that shouldn't be doing that as a matter of course almost regardless of who your quarterback is. So even if, you have, even if you're the Saints or the Such Patriots. is the value in that first contract rookie. If you are that confident in a Patrick Mahomes, right, and you, want, you find yourself in a position to draft a Patrick Mahomes, I don't even know if there's any quarterback in the NFL that should prevent you from doing that. Because let's say you're oh, right. If you know what you're getting at Mahomes, the Saints were well, going to so do it. The, the, the perfect example would be an Aaron Rodgers, right? Aaron Rodgers for years has been sort of held up as the, essentially the perfect quarterback to have on your roster because he's young enough that you've got him for like potentially 10 years. He's good enough that he's a top three quarterback. And that's the sort of the, the perfect confluence of all these things, right? Yep. So if you had an Aaron Rodgers 
But let's say you put yourself in a position to draft a Patrick Mahomes. You scouted him. You're absolutely sure this guy in two years' time is going to throw 50 touchdowns, 5,000 yards, and be the next Aaron Rodgers. You're automatically better off now having the cheaper guy. So you could have drafted him. It would have looked, it would have been pilloried at the time because, hey, we've got Aaron Rodgers. But then in a year's time, you could have traded Aaron Rodgers for like three first round picks and get cheaper. So much risk because you don't know what Mahomes is going to be. But if you're so confident in your evals. But how much risk is it, right? Let's say you take Patrick Mahomes. You're completely wrong. He's a disaster. All you did is spend a first round pick on a guy that didn't work out. So that. You still have Aaron Rodgers. But that point that you just made, I think, is the key. How much risk is there? Right. Because it's Aaron Rodgers who's now... Because having the quarterback is the important part. But Aaron Rodgers is going to be making so much money that you're so limited that you actually could potentially take a step back to the quarterback position, have a better overall team, and that's actually a scenario where it becomes... I've been using lateral move over and over, but that becomes a lateral move. Believe it or not, Aaron Rodgers to, say, Mitch Trubisky, first-year quarterback, could become a lateral move for your team... But it also, the upside to it could be so, so big. The risk in that scenario, to me, is not I potentially blow a first-round pick, right? Because teams blow first-round picks all the time. You just take a bad player, right? What's the difference? Right. The, only, the difference in here is that it's worth it if you already have the quarterback. One, if, you're, if you have an Aaron Rodgers, you're probably going to be contending for the playoffs every single year, even if you take your first-round pick and set fire to it. Like, if you just went, I'm not going to pick yeah. the first round every year. With Aaron Rodgers at your quarterback, you're probably going to make the playoffs anyway, so who cares? The risk, the only risk in that entire hypothetical is what it does to your relationship with Aaron Rodgers by drafting what would look like his replacement. So that's the stuff I would say I don't care about. That's the but stuff, that's the stuff I think that is important. There's just no way of quantifying That's it. the stuff I would say I don't care. If, you, if, if you're going to be my franchise quarterback... Like, Blake Bortles a couple years ago, everybody's like, well, Blake's the guy. The Jags can't draft somebody. Are you kidding me? Like, if Blake Bortles was going to be negatively affected just because the Jags brought someone in to compete with him, then he shouldn't be the franchise quarterback anyway. I keep coming back to that. Like, dude, just compete. No. That's it. I mean, it. if you... It worked, it worked you, positively for a guy like Brady. They're like, they drafted his replacement in 2014, and he's uh, like, yeah, all right, but, I'm going to stick it to but you. But did they ever really? They thought, oh, they thought they were. They thought they were drafted as replacement. When was the earliest they've taken Brady's replacement? And how old it was, was Garoppolo, he? When, second when, round. Right. And how old was he when they did it? It was after his decline year in 2013. Right. So that motivated him. But if they'd taken a first round quarterback in after, in like 08, he would not have reacted well to that. No. But these guys, I mean, Rodgers is at his age right now. I don't know. I mean, it's a difference. It's different when you're talking about Brady Rodgers versus. I think Bortles. that is the risk. Is what that does to the interpersonal re- relationship with your guaranteed surefire star quarterback. Otherwise, I don't know if you're certain. You should, my point. The overall point at the start of all Finish this, it. right, is that you should be evaluating every single quarterback as a matter of course every single year. Because if you're that sure that a guy is the next superstar, nothing should prevent you from drafting him. Literally nothing. I agree. And here's, do we need to start rethinking whether or not we trash teams when they miss on a quarterback in the first round? Because that's like, oh, LOL, you drafted Jake Locker. Oh, you idiots, you drafted Christian Ponder. But is it, is it because when you hit on one of those guys, the value's just so great 
that you have to you, you might have some misses in there. And I want to. I don't hear, think those guys should ever be first round quarterbacks because they just yeah. never should have been evaluated as such. This is the thing. But right? was Josh Allen worth the risk for the Bills, even though we didn't love him as a top ten pick? There's a sliding scale to this, right? There is the idea that I need a quarterback, and if I need a quarterback, I probably have to take him in the first round because they just won't last to the second. So you can look at a guy like Josh Allen and say, objectively on tape, this is a second-round quarterback, but there is zero chance that he makes it to our second-round pick, so I have to take him at 10, right? That I don't have a problem with, to an extent. Then, when you keep going, at some point you end up with a Christian Hackenberg, and you're like, okay, if I'm going to get him, I need to take him in the second round. No, it always comes if back you're ever in a position where you, you just, there's, no, there's zero chance that he ever becomes an NFL quarterback, there never was. It never existed. Yeah. All of his tape always said, no way. It's not working. So if you're ever in a position where you wind up with that, you're just, you've jumped the shark. You've gone too far off the deep end. You have strayed too far from the herd, and you're just throwing away a draft pick, right? But if you're in a position where you're like, ah, crap, the, the three best quarterbacks in this draft have gone. We need a quarterback. The next two up are like second-round guys on our board, but we know they won't make it to the second round because there's at least one other team that needs a quarterback. Yeah, then it I can't hate too much the idea of needing to take a Ponder, a Locker, a Josh Allen, whoever it is, in the first round because they don't. I mean, they're not going to last that. So far. this is this will be Daniel Jones potentially this right. year. I, I I would be happy to take Daniel Jones in the third. Right, but maybe he won't in the last late that second. Far. I said the same thing about Paxton Lynch, and I, even the fa- he bought, he was a bust. Like, right. He wasn't good, but I would take Paxton in the second or third just for the potential of hitting. But I didn't like him in the right. first. We none ha- of us liked him. You in would the first. have to be absolutely certain that the guy has no shot of panning out before you yeah. just wrote off the chance of having to take him that early. I, I think it's a great discussion. There's so much uh, to do here. I think there's a whole cornerback discussion that we're going to unlock as draft season goes. You know, how much do you risk the, the cornerback position that we're saying is more valuable than pass rusher? How much do you weigh that? You know, it's like diversifying your your stocks here. Do you put? Do you take more chances on corners versus? pass rushes which seem like um sure things so i think there's there's a lot to uh discuss this entire draft season sam that was mm-hmm. fun we discussed the draft we did you know how to do it yeah uh one bit of draft news that we'll wrap up with jeffrey simmons of mississippi state t- tears his acl or is it an achilles i think it was his acl right i mean i always i've read seen both ACL. Reports. i've seen people say achilles but i'm almost certain the report was acl i've seen both we'll say it's an acl either way um he'll miss the combine he'll miss everything he'll probably miss the entire season um, he was already dealing – it was already a touchy situation because he had the domestic violence issue coming out of high school. It was already going to be, you know, is he off teams' boards and Injured all these different knee. things. ACL. ACL? Yeah. Um, so taking the, the off-field out of it, is this a Jalen Smith situation where the Cowboys got him in the second round, a guy that was a potential top 10, top 15 pick. He eventually becomes a pretty good player. And are the Raiders the type of teams, the Packers, teams that have multiple draft picks, are they the types of teams that maybe take a risk on Jeffrey Simmons because he's a top 10 to 15 talent in this draft? Right. Strictly on the field only, I think there's still a case that he should go at the bottom of the first round somewhere. I could see that. Because I don't want to say an ACL is a routine injury because it's still pretty significant, but it's not what it was. Right. ACLs used to be career-ending, actual concerning problems. Now in ACL, okay, the season's gone, but the next year you expect the guy to be the same guy. But I losing would say, the season's the bigger yeah. yeah. So, value, right? so really what you're evaluating is what losing the season should do to a guy's draft stock, right? And you know, Mike Renner made the point that it's essentially like treating it as a future draft pick, right? So next year's first round is typically worth a second round pick these days. Um, 
and that's that's basically the same math you should be applying to it because you're not going to have them until next year. That's fair. So just essentially apply the same thing. The only added variable is you're taking off a year of his contract as well, which would be different. But in theory, if the guy's a star, you lock him up. You're not just getting him for the first contract. It's within your control whether he makes it to a second contract or not. You're not automatically losing him at the end of his yeah, rookie right. deal. Right. So if he's going to be a star... I would say he's still probably worth a low first-round pick. And I think you're more willing to take that risk if you have the extra draft capital. Yeah, um, so the, the Raiders are perfect. The Raiders definitely have it. The, the Packers have it. The Patriots have it in the top 100, not necessarily in the first round. So those are some interesting teams to keep an eye on. Um, Sidney Jones, another guy with the Eagles. Right. A couple years ago, they got him in the second round. His was an Achilles, right? Yeah, I believe so. So I think, I mean, I think an Achilles is more severe than this. I think the yeah, thing, obviously... Lose. Obviously, the thing Jalen Smith was dealing with was way more severe than this. This, I think, is a relatively routine injury, which would put him, in my eyes, higher up the board than a Sidney Jones or a Jalen Smith who had legitimate sort of scary injuries, right? This is not a scary injury. It's just you're dealing with a year without him. The two things, as we wrap it up, you're dealing with him going in a deep defensive line class and also with the other off-field incident that was already going to be a big question mark coming in. So, all right, man. That'll do it for us this week. Good talk, good discussion. We'll be back. We'll we will be back on Monday. More NFL news, more draft discussion all throughout the week. Stick with us here on the PFF podcast and over at ProFootballFocus.com and all the AAF coverage. Sam, you guys are doing a great job yeah, with that. The Alliance, your team, mm. your team is doing a great job with the Alliance. Coverage. Already has my favorite stat of the season. What was it? that in a field of eight starting quarterbacks, oh, Christian Hackenberg ranked ninth in a adjusted completion percentage. We just can't have a discussion without Hackenberg hate. Look, it's I twice today. I'm you just hated saying the poor guy. he had no business being an NFL quarterback or an AAF. <laughs> it's starting to look like he has no business being an AAF quarterback either. Oh, such a hater. All right. We'll see you guys on Monday. Your hair will have grown back a little bit by then. Yeah, we'll we'll see how it looks. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did go check out kyler murray and his nfl debut that's my favorite thing about nfl game pass you can go back and watch at any time and if you haven't watched a condensed game yet you have to try it out it's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire nfl game in the fraction of the time it normally takes it's how i'm able to follow all the mvp candidates all the breakout stars and of course your waiver wire pickups all season long to see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash Pro Football Focus NFL.